Blog Talk Radio. Who are the unstoppable ones? Is it just that they can do it and I can't? Who are the unstoppable ones? Is it just that they can do it and I can't? Mission Unstoppable. Mission Unstoppable. The unstoppable ones. You did say unstoppable, right? You did say unstoppable, right? What is it they know that I don't? Coach Frankie Picasso takes you on Mission Unstoppable. Anyone stop these people? <laughs> I don't think so. Good evening. I am the unstoppable Frankie Picasso, and you are about to go on another Mission Unstoppable. Our guide this evening is a woman who understands the agony, the shame, and the self-loathing that accompanies a toxic relationship and obsession with food. She knows what it's like to purge and binge and live off diet pills, all in the name of Thin Is In. She also knows what it's like to reconnect with her body and is passionate about educating women on the fact that acceptance, appreciation, and honoring our bodies is the most direct path to achieving our healthiest and most ideal weight. Wait, did I not say diet? No, I don't think so. Stay tuned, stay close. We will find out more in just a moment. If you're joining us on Tuesday, December the 8th, then you are listening to the live version of Mission Unstoppable Radio. Time is 8 in Toronto, 7 in Chicago, 5 in Los Angeles. Please feel free to join us either in the chat room or better yet, call in and show, uh, call into the show and voice your opinion or ask a question of my guest or myself. The number to call is 646-595-3841. I'd like to thank the good folks here at Blog Talk Radio for allowing me to broadcast over their network, and I'd especially like to thank you, all of you, you know who you are, for tuning in each and every week. My guest this evening is Elizabeth Lily Hills, and she is a precious gift to the world of women. She's an empowerment workshop facilitator, an inspirational motivational speaker, a life coach. She's the co-host of the Goddess to Goddess Empower Hour, and she is also the author of the Body Love Manual. How to Love the Body You Have as You Create the Body You Want, a book she wrote to assist other women like herself who were struggling with their weight, their body image, and their self-esteem. Lily, who once had a highly compulsive relationship with food for well over a decade, has finally managed to maintain her natural and ideal weight, and as a result, she's created the life that she has always deserved. Her work history is not surprising in the least. She seems to always be wanting to help folks who are in need. As president and co-founder of Hill & Hills Consultants, she had managed a fundraising consulting business for nonprofit organizations. She was once a marketing VP with Horace Investments Management, where she directed the launch of a campaign directed solely to companies that were proactive towards women. And she was an assistant executive director of Northern California for Leukemia Society of America. In 1997, the lucky girl received a grant from a private foundation which allowed her to travel the world for an extensive study of personal transformation and development, healing, and alternative forms of medicine. Today, she has founded the Body Love Center, a place where women can turn to in order to have private coaching, group seminars, or telecoaching sessions where they're provided with a non-diet-based approach to releasing weight and healing food compulsions. Please welcome... Elizabeth Lily Hills to Mission Unstoppable Radio. Good evening, Lily. Hi, Frankie. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, it is my pleasure. It really is. You know, I just wanted to say that the Body Love Manual, uh, the book that you've written, How to Love the Body You Have as You Create the Body That You Want, is just an absolutely brilliant volume of work. It is beautifully written. The voice that you that you use makes me feel like, you know, you're right there beside me holding my hand like a trusted friend. Uh, you know, just laying it all on me, answering my questions, even before, you know, I anticipate what it is I want to ask, you fill that void. It's, it's really a, just a gem, a gem of a book. Well, thank, thank you so you. much for writing it. Oh, it is it is my honor, and I say it's the second hardest thing I ever did. The first hardest thing that, that I accomplished was overcoming compulsive relationship with food, and the second hardest was writing this book, because I am not a, a writer by nature, but it was so important to me to get the message out there to women that when we judge our bodies, it puts us in a mental frame of mind where we are far more likely to eat when we are not hungry. So yeah. appreciating our bodies and appreciating ourselves at the same time shuts down that inner dialogue that makes you want to run for that candy bar to shut it out or it makes you want to eat that bag of chips because you're so tense 
about what's happening in your head. Thoughts about the future, thoughts about my body doesn't look good enough, worried thoughts, all of those things contribute to an inner dialogue that makes us feel out of the moment, out of our bodies, and less likely to stay connected with our true physical appetites. Why don't you tell us, for the folks who don't know what it's like to be a compulsive eater, uh, to be consistently on a diet, what was it like? You started back, what, you were 17 years old, you went, you, you were asked out on a date. That's, that's where it happened. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so funny, too, because the, the man who asked me out on the date heard that he was in the book, and he called me up not too long ago and said, oh. I was so worried that I had said something offensive. What happened was he asked me out on this date, and we are going to the beach, and I went to the mall, and I picked out this adorable bathing suit, and I put it on, and under those incredibly intense lights in any dressing room, all us women yeah. know, I, was, I looked at my thighs, and I thought, oh, my God, I've gained weight. They look bigger. And even though the bathing suit was cute, it set up this mental frame of mind where I started judging my body, whereas previously I really hadn't. I hadn't thought about it too much. And I decided I'm going to go on a diet. So because I didn't know how to cook, I decided, well, I'll do vegetables, all vegetables, because I know how to cook vegetables. But I ate canned string beans instead of eating mm. fresh vegetables for two days straight. And the impact that those two days had on my frame of mind lasted for over a decade because that started me dieting. I lost the weight. I went on the date, but I couldn't wait for the date to be over so I could go back to eating normally. But, but you know, how, how thin could your thighs have gotten in two days? That's just it. I mean, it must have been like two, three pounds. Right? It was ludicrous. In retrospect, yeah. I look back and I think, oh, my gosh, I wish that I had known earlier. Now, you have sisters, Lily. How many? You have two sisters? I have three. Three sisters. Three sisters. And, and where are you in that, in that lineup? I'm number three. Okay, you're number three. So did you go to your sisters at all and say, hey, am I fat? Do I look fat to you? No. Mm-mm. No. Never did they ever to. talk about their weight, your sisters? Well, it seemed like all the women in my household were always conscious of their weight. My mother was always conscious of her weight, and my was sisters she were overweight? too. She was not overweight, but she was worried about it a lot. And uh, so when our mothers worry about it, there's a greater likelihood that we're going to. If our mother doesn't appreciate and respect her body, there's a greater likelihood that we're going to tag along with that, and we're going to start judging our bodies just as our mothers did. It's, it's in part a cultural um, inheritance, and it's part yeah. a behavioral inheritance. So, but what about your dad? Did your dad ever talk about weight? He what never talked about his weight. And my dad was a fuller-figured man, but he mm-hmm. never worried about it. It just wasn't part of the male culture at the time, whereas when, it, when we look at us women, we are so indoctrinated from a very early age. But did he believe... say anything about your mom? Did he ever say, oh, look at those hips, look at that butt? No, look... no. no nothing. nothing like that. Mm-mm. Okay. Wow. And he always thought we were crazy for worrying about our bodies and worrying. He couldn't understand it at all. Yeah. And that's part of it, again, is because we women are the ones that have inherited the culture. Oh, I that know. How nice of them never to worry about <laughs> Guys, even big guys don't ever think of it. You no. know, they still think that they're, they're still confident, they're still sexy, they, they you know, yeah, so I'm big, so what? They well, men, never... tend to, men, don't you believe that men tend to judge themselves more based on what they're earning, the car that they're yeah. driving? It's more, so that's their external judgment against themselves. We women will take it more to how we appear. And now the men are starting, the tables are starting to turn on the men because the men's magazines are showing these incredibly hot male physiques with the ripped stomachs and this and that. So men are starting, eating disorders amongst men are definitely on the rise. In part, again, well, you know, I, that's true because, you know, even my own sons who, um, I got one that's 21, one that's 24. The younger one is always going, I'm too fat, I'm too fat, look at me, I'm too fat. And honest to God, really, he's so skinny. I go, look, you know what, like, you're, I wouldn't even go out with you, you're too skinny. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh, well, it just goes to show you that men are starting to have the same feelings. They They're starting to get a taste of, of a medicine that none of us want to take anymore. Well, you know, I said, to, I said to him, your abs, he goes, yeah, but you can see my abs. I said, no, you know what, what I see are ribs. <laughs> abs are something that you sit up for. Ribs are something you can lose weight and see. And it's true, though. You know, it, it, you talk about exercise in your book, and we'll talk about that in a little while because it is a, a really important component. But this body image, we are not seeing ourselves truly in the mirror. We're not. It's absolutely true. And, in fact, the truth is that men are not nearly as picky about women's bodies as women are. Now, oh, my God, I, none of us would stay married if they were. <laughs> <laughs> that is hysterical, Frankie. <laughs> the truth is, if you are a woman who likes herself, you're a woman who 
who is joyous because she likes herself and she likes the way that she's living her life and she's proud of who she is, that is the ultimate in attractive. And because we don't have too many examples of women who are in appreciative relationships with with themselves, it's difficult for us to understand that women are attractive at every weight and every shape. I have a beautiful, full-figured Texan friend who was one of the first women that showed me how it's not about what you weigh. How are you holding your body? Are you respecting your body? Do you feel sexy at any size? She had more men after her than almost any woman I had ever met, and she would just ooze charm. It seems to be true of Southern women. They're just mm. exceptionally sweet. So this gal showed me it really isn't about what I weigh. How am I holding myself? Mm-hmm. Not only in terms of how I look, but who I am inside. Am I respectful of myself? Do I like myself? And most of us women have an inner dialogue that says, either I don't look good enough or I didn't get enough done. We are hard-driving taskmasters. We really are. And if you doubt what Lily says, just think about, I don't know if you if you um, have ever, you know, you're in a relationship and you go to a bar with your friends, with your girlfriends, and, and the guys invariably go to the girl who's got a guy. You know, he may be sitting at home, but they invariably go to her. And they go to her because her vibration is not saying desperate. Her vibration is, I'm looking for a guy, I'm looking for a guy. You know, her vibration is, hey, I'm cool. And it's the same thing with how you feel about your body and your weight. And, and, and your confidence level, it's the vibration true. that you give out, and, and we all have one. Well, I can remember during the days when I was hard on my body, I invariably attracted men. Even if they, they liked me, they were more likely to be picky about my body. Now that I love my body unequivocally, then the men that I attract are totally appreciative. And, and I, am, I am a woman who is 45, so my body is changing in different ways. But mm-hmm. because I love it and I appreciate it above <laughs> and beyond how it looks, I appreciate it because... Our bodies are miracles of the highest order. We don't really realize are. it because we've always, we've always been in them, so we don't realize how miraculous they are. But one cell in our body contains enough information to fill 600 1,000-page books. And that's in one tiny cell. Our bodies hold a genius that even the most brilliant people on the planet can't understand. And yet we just want to judge them because they have cellulite or my stomach's not flat enough. I mean, it really is ludicrous. It is. It is. And, and and it's not who you are. No. And it's and not. that's a you know, a really big message I'd like to get across. The body your body's the car that you're driving while you're here. It's not who you are. Beautiful. So take care of your car. And that's if you want to if you want to see Lily, you know, go to www.thebodylovemanual.com because you will see an absolutely gorgeous 45-year-old woman. <laughs> Thank you. That's so sweet, sweet, Frankie. Thank you. And I have to say, I have never been happier. I've never been healthier. That's why I'm so passionate about the information that I'm sharing. I am so excited for women to get over worrying about their weight and worrying about their bodies. And, of course, if you want to be at your natural and healthiest weight, that's understandable, and the book guides you there. But it's more than that. When we women free ourselves up from the burden of self-judgment, we're going to go on to do even more incredible things in the world. But because so much of our energy is spent in judgment of ourselves, Mm -hmm. we disempower ourselves as individuals and as a gender. Think about what we could do with all the time that we've wasted judging ourselves and our bodies. Oh, my gosh. You know, I remember once, and not even that long ago, where I yelled at myself out loud about how critical, about how mean and, and judgmental and cruel I, I'm, I, I am to myself. And I said, you know, you've got this voice. You have to stop. You're just, I would never, ever have any friend <laughs> if I spoke to them the way that I spoke to myself. And, and it's so true. And we know this. And if you take the time to listen to that critical voice in your head, because uh, so, you know, so many times we don't even hear it, uh, we are really doing a disservice to ourselves, ladies. So we take really the time are. to breathe and, and, and say it out loud. You know, shout back at it if you have to. Tell it to I shut just, up. Yeah. It's not no. true. We right. lie to ourselves all the time. That's exactly right. I say if I hear that internal dialogue coming in and it's negative, I just say no. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not, because I know where that dialogue takes me. And the way that you can tune in, because most of us think we know ourselves well, we think we love ourselves to a certain extent, but I'm going to invite you to understand that there's a much, much deeper cut. When you are truly waking up joyous every single day, then you know you've hit a deeper cut. And when your inner dialogue is is generally very kind and gentle and understanding and compassionate, then you know, okay, this is where I'm growing, this is where I'm expanding as a human being, and this is where I'm going to feel the most joy. And when I'm joyous, I'm not reaching for the half gallon of ice cream when I'm bored. 
I'm so filled within that I don't need that anymore. In fact, I can't imagine. I used to be the gal who'd sit in front of the television set and, and keep on four servings of food before I'd wake up and go, oh, my God, what have I done? I was the, the girl who couldn't go five minutes without thinking about food or how embarrassed I was about my body. I thought, I will never get over this. And I am at a point now, even you as my body... You were weren't you? I was bulimic, too, for a number of years. And, and, and you took diet pills. And, oh, yeah. I mean, th- th- this woman knows from where she speaks, okay? Yeah. She she went the whole gamut. And it wasn't just, you know, because she tried on a bathing suit and she was a size 5. You, you, you went up and down, like you probably lost hundreds of pounds. I did. Gained yeah. and lost. Over and over again, I tried every diet imaginable. So everyone else can learn at my expense. You don't have yeah. to repeat. Well, I, I've lost hundreds of pounds myself. Your, your book, um, The Body Love Manual, is kind of broken into two sections. You have an emotional and a physical side. Yeah. And the emotional really takes up a lot more space than the physical. So yeah. we have a lot of work to do in that area. So let's go there for a second. You talk about tamed and untamed mind. Right. Great way to put it. The tamed what part you of your mind, it's, it's the wise part of your mind, the one that helps you find solutions to problems, that's positive thinking, that moves you forward in life, that, that makes you feel uh, self-assured and in control. And the untamed mind, I like to call the rascal part of your mind. It's the one that's going to suggest you don't look good enough. You look terrible in that. You've got too much to do. You're never going to get it done. You're not good enough. She looks better than you do. Why can't you get it together? The untamed part of your mind is the part you'll know that that shows up because you will feel either nervous or insecure. You'll feel Mm -hmm. fearful or you'll feel tense. And so your feelings, which most of us avoid through using food, are actually little friends that are telling you your thinking is out of whack. So every time uncomfortable feelings come up, it's about paying attention to them. Don't try and get rid of them through eating something. Pay attention to them. Sit down with them like you would a guest. What are you here to tell me? Mm-hmm. And the more you listen to that voice, the more you listen to your feelings, they will guide you to the healthiest behaviors. So the untamed mind, again, that's the part of, that, that's the part of you that is going to drag you down, the part of your mind that's going to drag you down and take you further away from what you want, which is living at your natural weight and getting over a compulsion with food. Okay. So let's talk about diets because, you know, everybody goes, well, diets, like, they, they must work. There's thousands of them out there, and a lot of billions of dollars are being spent every day. We're buying hoodia, we're buying this, we're buying that. But you're saying they don't work. Diets don't work, and, and all the research proves it. I'm just, I'm really amazed. It shows you how young our culture is that diets are still around, and people are still suggesting diets, diets in spite of the evidence that shows that in 95 to 98% of the cases, they do not work in the long term. And they don't work for a number of reasons. On the psychological side, when I tell myself I can't have something, mm-hmm. what's the first thing I want to go for? And you want to go for it. I want to go for the food have. that I've told myself I can't have. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that you're ignoring your body. The Body Love Manual teaches you that your body is your wisest guide. It can take you to your natural and ideal weight without dieting when you start to in- in- eat in sync with your physical appetites as opposed to your emotional appetites. So... Part of the healing, our relationship with our bodies, is to start to listen to them, to start to feed them when they're hungry, not when you're bored, not when you're frustrated, not when you're in front of the television set distracting yourself through a program, but really stay connected to our physical appetites. And then in terms of diets, why they don't work from a physical standpoint is that when you go on on a diet, your body, when you restrict your caloric intake, It reminds your body of the days. I mean, this goes back to our physical programming from our ancestors. Before, during times of famine, when food wasn't as plentiful, our bodies, in order to survive, would slow our metabolism down so we could survive on smaller amounts of food. And then when food was plenty again, we'd start to eat again, and we'd restore our fat supplies and so forth. Now when you go on a diet, your body can't differentiate between a famine that you put it on versus a real famine. So it goes back to your genetic programming. You go on a diet, your body, and you restrict your caloric intake dramatically, your body is going to hold on to what you have. It's going to slow your metabolism down. And then we all know once we go back to regular eating, not yeah. only do we usually yeah. gain the weight back pretty quickly, <laughs> but we gain a few extra pounds in addition to that. Right. Your body will, will naturally hold on to 
a smaller amount of calories. It'll slow, and it, it can take up to a year for your body to return to its natural metabolic rate, metabolic rate. So you can see how it's in your best interest not to starve your body. I eat whatever I want now. There is no food that is off limits to me. And I never think about what I cannot have. I allow myself to eat the foods that I want, but I eat in sync with my body, which means when I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm satisfied, I stop. And I have yeah. You, you you talk about it in the book um, that just because just because you know you wake up at breakfast doesn't mean you have to eat at breakfast. Just because dinner's at six o'clock doesn't mean you have to eat dinner at six o'clock. You eat when you're hungry, and you have to identify hunger and be really hungry. Yeah, <laughs> you know, true. so many of us don't even know what hunger is anymore. It's we really true. don't. You know, we yeah. oh, I think I'm hungry, but yeah. When was the last time you really starved yourself? You know, really starved. Because, man, we, we eat so much and we have so much available to us that we're always, you know, picking. I'm a grazer. That That's, you know, a really... <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm I remember grazer. the days, Frankie. Yeah, I'm a grazer. <laughs> you know, I, as, long as, as long as it's there to, you know, pop in the mouth, uh, just, I don't care what it is. Usually it's popcorn these days, but, uh, yeah, I'm a grazer. And I can't eat a lot. I don't like to eat a lot. And, and I always stop before I'm full, which is, you know, at least I can do that. Yeah, that's fantastic. I identify that. But yeah, I, I'm still a grazer. But <laughs> well, I'm fun. working. I'm working on getting. I'm working on getting to to be able to eat whatever I want when I want. That would be great. That would well, be. That is, would be such freedom. It's such it would freedom. That's freedom, and that's and that's what's ahead for you, Frankie. Because the truth is, if if I can go there at my level of desperation and my level of dysfunction around food and compulsion, anybody can. And in terms of food. It's important to have fun with food. We've almost made food our enemy rather than knowing that it's our untamed mind that's working against us. We've made food our enemy and we feel guilty around it. And then when I used to feel guilty around eating food, I'd eat even more. Yeah. Which yeah. is of course makes no sense and it's difficult for a lot of people to understand how But it does for every are. woman we all understand. <laughs> it's true. Almost every woman. We all understand woman that one. Yeah. 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 That's that's yeah, it's so true. And now I enjoy eating more than ever before. Before eating, I'd usually feel guilty afterwards. Now I enjoy my food so much, and food tastes so much better because I'm eating when I'm hungry as opposed to I'm eating when I'm bored or I'm eating when I'm stressed, and I don't have that anxiety that comes along with eating too much. Well, let me ask you something because I'm sure that there's a lot of women who are listening to this and want to know the answer to this question. Menopausal women, women my age, women in their 50s, um, how effective has, is this for them? Is, are they able to reset their clock? Yes, absolutely, at any stage. Now, I do have to say, at 45, I've noticed some changes in my body that I believe are just natural. But I have found that as long as I'm staying physically active, mm-hmm. and we're not talking crazy active here. I go on walks with my girlfriends by the beach. I do do yoga, and I recommend yoga highly for compulsive overeaters because what it teaches you to do is to get comfortable with discomfort. And when you are wanting to uh, transcend the urge to binge, you have to get a little bit comfortable with being uncomfortable. You have to be willing to feel the uncomfortable feelings and ask yourself, what is it that I'm truly hungry for? So when I do yoga, I'm holding a posture that's very uncomfortable for a few minutes, right, because I'm in a, an extra intense stretch or I'm holding a, a position that requires me to use a muscle tone. But I am learning to be more comfortable with discomfort. It teaches you to connect with your breath, which is one of the tools I suggest in the book, connect mm-hmm. with your breathing to calm yourself down. Because most of us, when we're tense, we're breathing from our chest instead of our abdomen. And our abdomen is where we get the relaxation response. But we're so tense, we're either holding our breath, not breathing at all, or we're breathing in a very shallow breathing pattern, which makes us more tense, which is, of course, going to send us right back to the refrigerator. So yoga is a fantastic form of exercise. Um, I do find at this age at 45, weight training builds our muscle tone, which is a, bat, which is a big yeah. fat-burning uh, element. But I I, for it, this works for women at any age and at any stage. Well, good, because we have a woman who's going to come on right now, and we're going to see how see, see Lily in action and her program in action. So <laughs> let, let, me, let me introduce her to you. Okay. We have a supportive guest this evening, and her name is Linda Marshall-Smith. And Linda is the CEO of Soapdom, 
and you can visit her at www.soakdom.com. And it's a company that she owns, and she was just honored with being a finalist for a Stevie Award for Women in Business uh, for having a website of the year in 2009 and 2006. So congratulations mm-hmm. on that one, Linda. You told us that you have been dieting all of your life since puberty. She said that she was able to manage her weight until about 10 years ago. And since then, no matter what she tries or how, how much she diets, she's still gaining about 7 pounds a year. She said it's been a very difficult struggle for her. It's been impossible to figure out what's going on. She's been to nutritionists, doctors, endocrinologists. They all tell her that her system is normal. Uh, she's used Weight Watchers, Nutrisystem, Jenny Craig, High Protein, Low Carbs, Protein Shakes. Nothing seems to help her drop her weight. And for the most part, her job does entail her sitting behind a computer, but she also tries to get out to the gym or, or walk for two to four miles um, several times a week. And she has had no success. So what can we do to help her? First of all, good evening. Welcome, Linda. Thank you. Thank you so Hi, much Linda. for for having me. Hi, Lily. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. So yeah, so, I I I just uh, you know it just doesn't want to leave me. It loves me so much that it wants it to stick around. You. <laughs> <laughs> you must be a good nurturer, I guess. <laughs> well, the good news is, Linda, that you are you've seen the doctor, so you know that this has nothing to do with your body not being totally prepared to achieve your natural and ideal weight. Mm-hmm. You don't have a meta- you don't have the diabetes issue and you don't have metabolism problem. So that's the great news. Mm-hmm. So the next step is let me ask you a couple questions. Do you eat predominantly when you're hungry or do you eat in a pattern? Uh I eat when I think I'm hungry. Um but I'm not sure if it's really physical hunger or other kinds of hunger. Well what what does hunger feel like to you? How do you know when you're hungry? I'm always hungry. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I can always eat. Uh, you, know, and that, you know, and that's one of the things I think that I do have trouble with. It's hard for me to, you know, uh, determine, you know, is this really physical hunger or am I bored or do I just need a sugar fix so I can think about the next thing I'm going to write or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh-huh. I understand. So, and you're a writer, so that makes it, that, that is an intense line of work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, I'll sit at the computer and I'll be, it'll, you know, blank page, and I'll get up and I'll walk down the hall or I'll walk, you know, outside and go around the block, uh, come back to the computer. I still have a blank page. I go have a cookie. And suddenly, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. you know, spouting wisdom. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what a cookie can do. I know. <laughs> or, you know, or not, it doesn't necessarily have to always be a cookie. It could be a piece of fruit or a piece of, you know, no-fat cheese or yeah. no-fat cheese or something. But if I eat something, it suddenly kicks my brain into gear and, oh, yes, this is a brilliant thought and I can write this. Well, do you have meals? Do you have, like, breakfast, lunch, yes. dinner? Or do you yes. just, yeah. Yes. I, I, I have three meals and perhaps a small snack in between. I try not to eat past a certain hour. Um, and... What about you, Lily? Do you eat past a certain hour? Does it matter anymore? It does not matter, no. I eat whenever my, I'm physically hungry, I eat. And this is, uh, you brought up an important point, Linda, in that if you are eating when you are not sure if you're hungry, that's a good time to wait. Because when you're hungry, it, it shows up differently for every person. You'll get either a rumbling in your stomach, kind of an empty feeling. You may feel a little weak. Some people get cranky, other people get high, but true hunger, when you really get in touch with it, is unmistakable. So the first step is to really get in touch with what your true hunger is. And if you're not sure, then wait until you are sure. There's nothing that's going to happen if you wait until you're hungry to eat. I mean, it's that's where our body operates optimally. I have found when I start eating when I'm physically hungry and I stop when I'm satisfied, that's when the weight starts coming off. And this was true even when I wasn't exercising, but we'll talk later about exercise. It's vital to being a healthy person. Mm-hmm. So, But the combination of the physical act of being physically active, taking care of your body by moving it and oxygenating your body, it's one of the best things you can do for it. But when you start eating, starting to eat when you're physically hungry, so let's say on a scale of, of 0 to 10, 0 is when you're starving. And 1 is when you're hungry. You've got the gurgling in your stomach, you're feeling fussy, you're feeling... Um, your, your, I get the your taste buds are active. Nauseous. Say that again, Frankie. I, I get the shakes and start to feel really nauseous when okay. I'm really hungry. So every body is a little bit different. So your body talks to you through your feelings. 
not just your feelings of discomfort, but your feelings of hunger. So once your body says, hey, I'm ready to eat, then you get to eat whatever you want. Okay. Which means I, when I first started moving beyond compulsive overeating, I would allow myself to have anything that I wanted regardless of the time of day. So let's say it was breakfast time. Some mornings when I first started, I had ice cream for breakfast. But because I allowed myself the ice cream and I didn't feel guilty about it because I was eating exactly what I wanted and I was eating in sync with my body, that's when the weight started to come off. Mm-hmm. And no one was more surprised than I. I was really scared to start eating foods that I craved. But once I allowed myself the full spectrum of foods, what ended up happening is that I no longer had the compulsion around them. The freedom from restricting myself gave me freedom from my compulsion. And that makes total sense. Now, you said that that you have had, um, uh, you've been dieting since puberty. Do you remember the first diet, Linda, or the Uh, incident around it? Weight Watchers. It was Weight Watchers. Mm -hmm. Did your mom take you to Weight Watchers? Yes. Um, And it was actually a little older. I was maybe about 13. Okay. And why did your mom take you to Weight Watchers? Um, Because I had gotten heavy. Uh, I as a really little kid, I was a little skinny marink, and I, in fact, they were worried because I was so skinny. And they, my mother and my grandmother, nice Italian grandmother, you know, would encourage me to manja manja because I was, you know, too yeah. skinny. Well, that so means uh, if they had leftovers, you know, if there was half a tomato or whatever was might have been left over, they would put it in the refrigerator on like a low shelf so I could reach it, <laughs> and they would encourage me to eat those things. Um, and by the time I got to, like, through puberty, suddenly, um, I, you know, I was still eating, but I was I started to gain weight. So by the time I was, like, 13 or so, I, you know, I was overweight for a 13-year-old. And when you look I, at pictures today, do you look overweight? Like, when you go back and look at those uh, that 13-year-old, do you think that you were overweight? Yeah, yeah, I was. You do? Okay. Yeah, I was. I was, I was always, like, a, a, a tall kid you know i you know if, if ever we were, we lined up in grade school in size order you know i was always like fourth from the end because i was tall for my class um, did you have but, breasts and everything at that age did you have your period yeah i got that when i was about 11 11 and a half okay so you were quite mature kind of early yeah kind of early so but i went to weight watchers and i did lose you know uh, about 20 pounds and you know and, and but that was my first um diet and my first being aware of, of dieting and what I was eating and how it was going to affect me. And all through the rest of my life, I've always sort of watched it and, you know, and did go to gyms and did work out and did the whole thing. Until about 10 years ago when I was about a size 8. And at that point, um, I was a size 8, but I weighed about 150 pounds. I'm about 5'6". But I was very um, trim. I had been working with a trainer, you know, so I had muscle my, I was probably that heavy because I had more muscle weight than I had even fat weight at that point. But I was in a size 8. I was very happy. And then around that time, a couple of things happened. I started a business. I was on the computer. There were many challenges of, you know, building this as a business. And I would, you know, turn to the refrigerator mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was right there, um, you know, to sort of get through some of the hurdles. Um but, you know, and, and as I said, as this, you know, sort of six or seven pounds a year kept creeping up, it wasn't as though I wasn't aware of it. I was, and I would try to diet and get it off and, you know, maybe lose five pounds and then not be able to lose any more. And even this past summer, I did something rather um, um, extreme when I did sort of a protein shake diet where I would have a protein shake in the morning and, a, and maybe a mid-morning snack of like uh string cheese and a half an apple and then you know for lunch I'd have another protein shake and then mid-afternoon I might have you know some celery and carrots with some yogurt and you know uh, and then you know a nice dinner a piece of fish a piece of chicken or even a piece of steak with you know vegetables and a mm-hmm. salad and sort of that was it and the first week I I lost like six pounds I was very excited and the second week I lost like almost three pounds and I was even more excited and the third week I gained two pounds back and the fourth week, I lost like another maybe two tenths of a pound. And after being on that sort of a regime for about three months, I didn't lose any more weight. And I was also going to the gym. And as I said, walking. At one point, I was taking a class, an aerobics class at the gym, and I was walking two miles to get there, taking the class, and walking two miles back home. Wow. And I was doing that like maybe three times a week. And I didn't lose any more weight. 
So Why do you you're, think you're committed to your weight? Pardon me? Why do you think that you would be committed to holding this weight? I don't know. I, it loves me. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, I have a lot of stress with business and, you know, and the economy and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It just it doesn't want to seem to come off. Take it away, Lily. Well, Linda, you had mentioned that you were on a restrictive calorie diet, right. and it sounds to me like your body, in an effort to help you survive, slowed down your metabolism, even though you were working out and so forth, that it slowed down your metabolism in order to help you hold on to the food. So going on diets is never the answer. It is a short-term fix, but it's not a long-term answer. So in order to get back in sync with your body, it is important to start to listen to it. So we had, I started to talk about the fact that if on a scale of 0 to 10, 0 is absolutely starving, 1 is hungry, your body's giving you the indication that it's hungry, 5 is satisfied. If you eat between a 0 and a 5, mm-hmm. and even a 6, I mean, there are times when, when you're going to go above, but if you're eating in that hunger range, your body is going to shed the weight naturally without restricting yourself from what you want to eat, without popping pills or doing all these crazy things that we women do. And let's say that a 10 is Thanksgiving full, right, on a right. scale of 0 to 10. So right. if you're, you're not going into that range anymore because where we gain weight is when we're eating between the 5 and the 10. When so, we're pushing beyond our natural physical appetites, our body can't take on that much food. So the key so, is to be able to know when you're in that 5. And that is the more you slow down with your food and the more you are present to your food, which means not eating with distractions. Part of the reason I believe that I gained so much weight is because I would eat while I was doing something else. I was just distracted either. I loved to eat in front of the television set or while I was reading a book or while I was surfing the Internet because it was fun and it was a great distraction. It was two pleasures at once, but it disconnected me from my body. So now I don't eat with distractions. I eat when... I'm hungry, and I'm present to my food. And one of my clients said to me, the only thing that's annoying is how fast I'm satisfied now that I'm not eating with distractions. Mm-hmm. I used to be able to go on and, you know, drag out a meal and have more portions, and there was a fun component to it. But then afterwards, I'd be depressed. She said, but it's so, it feels so much better to eat in sync with my body. So when I eat when I'm hungry and I stop when I'm satisfied... My body is working in an optimum fashion. It's able to digest it more rapidly. It's able to increase my metabolism because the food's moving through me more quickly. So if you start eating between a zero and a five, and even if you go into, let's say one night you go out to dinner and you eat until you're a six or a seven, that is not a problem. All you have to do the next day is wait until you're physically hungry to eat again and you're back on track. So if I go up and have a you know a five or six course meal for a special occasion, I'm not worried in the slightest anymore. I just wait the next day till I'm hungry to eat, and then I eat what I want again. And if you look at anyone who's naturally lean, that's how they eat. They eat in sync with their body. They don't restrict themselves. So all we're doing is following a very wise approach to releasing excess weight, connecting with our physical bodies again. So but, you know we're we're really not trained to do that in this culture. Even the even the government is trying to force people to do something that they know don't work, but they don't know what does work, so they keep trying the old ways. And it's ridiculous. It just shows you how young we are as a culture, that we're still saying, try dieting to lose weight. I mean, the government's desperate because they're spending $17 billion a year on health care costs related to obesity. I want to get my book in the hand of every government official and say, this is how to do it. I lived with it. I was obese. I was totally out of control around food. This is how you turn it around. But, but what about you know the difference between whole foods and packaged foods, fructose, glucose, you know foods that are junk, really? Our, body, whole, our body's yeah. going to start to crave. Your body will crave fresh fruits and vegetables. I know it's going to. That's I crave exactly. raw food. Yeah, that's exactly right. What ends up happening when you really connect with your physical appetites and you're not eating for emotional reasons, your body will guide you to the wisest choices. Whereas before, when I was a compulsive eater, all I wanted was sugar and fat. Mm-hmm. Now my body craves fresh fruit and fresh vegetables and whole foods that can be either plucked from a tree or pulled from the ground. Yeah. But that took me getting in touch with my body and really listening to it and really developing a healthy respect for it, regardless of what it looked like. The tables turned for me when I stopped judging myself and my body 
until then, I had this inner dialogue. And if you, from a very early age, were guided to your mom, t- you had mentioned that your mom had taken you to Weight Watchers. Mm-hmm. Was she gentle with you around your weight? Was she soft and understanding? Did, how did you feel about the fact that she took you there? Um, I think I was the one that actually wanted to go, mm-hmm. uh, and she, yes, yeah, she was, she was uh, gentle about it. I mean, they, you know, my parents, you know, didn't tease me or anything, but. Um, you know, I was getting to a point where, you know, I was in, you know, eighth grade and I was going into high school and uh, interested in boys and, you know, I I wanted to be or feel, you know, more attractive by being slimmer. Mm-hmm. So when you were a child, did you connect food with love? Um, I don't know. Your family did. Nona did, right? Yeah, <laughs> I guess, yeah. Yeah. Manja, manja, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And maybe perhaps in some ways I can remember when I was a child, I knew it pleased my mother when I ate. Oh, there yeah. There was something about it that she felt when I was eating, because I was a skinny little girl as well, mm. and when I ate, I knew that there was something in her that was happy. So in a way, I started eating to please my mother. But now I'd like to go back, really, to one thing that you said about, you know, if you do go out and have a big dinner and you do eat to, to a number six or even a number seven, and then the next day you don't eat again until you're hungry. So, uh, you know, is that sort of, you know, like one of the problems for me is that there's so much, quote, noise out there about weight control and programs and what works and what doesn't and try mm-hmm. this and try that and low mm-hmm. carb and high protein and you know this kind of a program or that kind of a program you know as we said i mean it is a multi-billion dollar industry and right. there's just so much noise out there about what you should do and what you shouldn't do but 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 typical um um thinking or a lot of thinking that i've heard of late is that you should have you know your breakfast you should start your metabolism by having breakfast but are are you saying that if i'm not really hungry hungry for breakfast because sometimes i'm not but i'll eat breakfast because i'm supposed to you know start my metabolism and have breakfast so so do i not do i ignore that if i'm not hungry and just eat when i am like if i'm hungry at 11 have have my breakfast then that's exactly it that's, that's, that's what I exactly do. Right. I start with water. You know, why don't you why don't you have your breakfast with water? Because your body needs water. Right. Well, that's absolutely important. Sometimes we we confuse hunger with thirst. What we really want is something to drink, but we confuse right. hunger for thirst. Right. Part of the reason I know when I'm truly physically hungry is I'll have some water, and if I can feel it coursing down my body, I'll know. Okay, it's time to eat. But I want to go back, Linda, to what you said about waiting to eat when you're hungry. Mm-hmm. A lot of the commonly accepted principles are exactly what has gotten our society in the state where it is today. <laughs> We're telling people, don't listen to your body. Your body doesn't want food when it's not hungry. Right. It will send you the signs that let you know, now is the time to eat. If we listen to people outside of ourselves for advice, we're going to end up where now two-thirds of our country is, which is either overweight or obese. If we listen to our bodies, which is the wisest, most intelligent instrument on the planet, they guide us to our natural and ideal weight. I used to think the same thing. I used to have breakfast when I wasn't hungry. Right. And, and of course, I wasn't going to lose weight. I was totally ignoring my body. Our bodies know when it's time to eat, and they guide us to what to eat as well when, we're, when we really get connected with them. And that's where the fun begins because... Like, have you ever had a day where you're absolutely ravenous? Like, that? What, two days ago, it started to snow and it got really cold, and I was ravenous. Nothing, nothing seemed to fill me. And yet the next day, I didn't want to eat anything. I couldn't... You know, I go, I should be hungry, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. And, and looking for food, and I go, why am I looking for food? I'm not hungry. Mm-hmm. But thinking, you know, I should be hungry because I've missed two meals or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, we do that to ourselves. Our, our, we, we talk ourselves into things. And it is it is a big, oftentimes I, I know that when I first started out, it was difficult for me to know when I was eating compulsively versus when I was hungry. Mm-hmm. I thought I was hungry all the time too. And when I started to tap into my body, I wasn't hungry. I was bored or I was stressed. I had too many things on my mind. My inner dialogue was too self-defeating. So it really is as much a mental game as it's a physical game. It's staying connected with your body, listening to your feelings, which tell you when you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to get this project done. Oh, my gosh, the economy is in a state of free fall. How am I going to make ends meet? The tension is what makes us want to go for that 
that cookie or that piece of fruit or whatever it is, if you're not hungry, it's not a good idea for your body. Now, this is If you're a diabetic or you have a medical condition, it's a different scenario. But if you do not have a medical condition and your body is not telling you through a very physical experience that it's hungry, then it's all about waiting until you are physically hungry, and the weight will come off with that. If you know, this is this is the way that I look at it. If the government is suggesting things that haven't worked and that the, the obesity rates are escalating, it's time to look at a new paradigm, one which actually works. And I am a living example of what it's like to eat in connection with your body, to get rid of the compulsion around food, to get rid of that inner dialogue that is self-negating. Because that doesn't help me to go where I want to go. I want to be the best person I can be. I want to take good care of my body. And when I when I have an inner dialogue that's supportive of that, my whole life is so much more enjoyable. And it has made me a much better person to be kind to myself. We women are so hard on ourselves. Okay, we need to address past- that. We need to address that and, and help Linda through this. Because it's not just then. So what you're saying is it's not just eating when I'm hungry. It's getting rid of that inner voice the negative self-talk it's learning to love yourself so how do you learn to love yourself how can how can how does she know that she's that she's loving herself well let me just ask you directly linda do you feel like are you comfortable saying i love myself i think i'm a great lady would you be comfortable looking in the mirror and saying i love you to yourself sure although recently uh i haven't because i you know i i I don't like the way i'm looking right now at this weight so but, yeah, I mean, um, I could certainly change that around, I'm sure. Do you feel like there's a, there's more space for you to be? Do you treat your friends better than you treat yourself? Are you more oh, likely probably. to put... A, yeah. <laughs> probably. So this is the opportunity that I, I am going to um, offer to you, is that when you treat yourself as well as you do those that you love the most, which means only saying kind things to yourself or respectful things. Now, this doesn't mean don't be honest. I mean, all of us have a shadow side. All of us have got issues that we're dealing with, and we're all trying to be better people. But when your inner dialogue is kind and gentle and understanding and loving, when it's um, almost that, that divine feminine energy, you know, where it's just soft and loving, most of us don't have that inner dialogue. But when we start to offer ourselves that loving, compassionate side, that's when life starts to get a lot better. That's when the worries float away. That's when we feel more confident, we're happier with ourselves. And that brings out the best of who we are. And the truth is, the world needs the best that women offer. But when we're hard on ourselves, it brings out the worst in who we are. It brings out our insecure side. It brings out our frightened side. Mm. So when you are loving to yourself, it's an act of kindness not only to you, but to everyone around you and the world at large. Mm. So let me ask you, Linda, does this sound easy or hard? Um, it, it, you know, it probably... Sounds like it would take some effort. Um, I, I don't think it would be hard, but it would take some conscious. But you, you you've know. done Jenny Craig and Nutrisystem and Weight Watchers and high protein and low protein and you know don't eat this and, and wait ten hours and eat that. So <laughs> given all of that, would you say that waiting to eat until you're hungry doesn't sound like such a bad deal? No, no. Would at you all. be willing to try that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. I will. I'm sure. I'm. I'm open. I, I will certainly be willing to try that. That's awesome. I think that's great because you know, it's some when, when you hear it like this, it's like, wow, that's pretty easy. How come? Duh. How come we didn't think of that? Yeah. Well, and, you and, know, and yet we try all this other stuff you know, because stuff. there's so much stuff out there. We're bombarded. Yeah. You know, you pick up any magazine, and. You know, but it doesn't work because you've tried all of these things and they don't work. So, so sure. here we have a real life example, you know, of of it working. And and Lily, like I said, is is very beautiful, and and looks fantastic and slim. Thank and you, she's sister. Us. I appreciate. So, so Lily, Lily, what what turned things around for you? How did you you know have this realization that uh, this was you know what was going to do it for you or? Well, I I was so unhappy with myself at a certain point, Linda. I was just I was just truly truly miserable with the life that I was living. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even totally aware of how unhappy I was because I was stuffing myself so consistently that I felt more numb than anything else. Mm-hmm. And if someone had, would have asked me if I liked myself, I probably would have said yes, but my life wasn't reflecting that in terms of the choices I was making, mm-hmm. uh, especially in relationship to food. 
So I just immersed myself in, in the research project of trying to figure out how I could lose weight. I knew diets didn't work, even though I kept going back to them because I didn't know what else did work. So I studied people who were, who were naturally lean, and I read every book that I could get my hand on, hands on, and I went to seminars. And basically I put together this program and used myself as the guinea pig. And slowly but surely I saw that everything that, that I had learned, not only through my own experience but through the other wise people whose paths I had crossed, how to start getting in connection with my true physical appetites. And for me, it was a gradual process. But it, it's, I'm, I am so incredibly grateful to be where I am now versus where I was. That's what made me write the book. Mm. I'm so much more joyful now. And it makes me want to give back because just, it just feels so good to be free of the obsession around food and feels so good to be able to eat a meal without feeling guilty and to enjoy my body. Right. Even at 45, and, and I know there are going to be physical changes that happen, but I've set myself up well because I'm going to appreciate my body through every stage of life, knowing that when I do, I treat it better, it's healthier, I'm happier, I'm more energetic. It's simply the smarter approach. And I realized that doing the same thing that I was doing over and over again and expecting a different result was insanity. Mm. And I said, all right, so if beating myself up over how I look isn't working, and dieting isn't working. What will? What's well, gonna? Yeah. Listening and then, to my and body. Then how, how long did it take you to get to this place that you're now? Well, I didn't. I I did it gradually over time, but and and I would say that the transition from eating and eating in disconnection from my body to connection it can take place really rapidly, if you are committed to it and you are. You put everything else to the side and you make your relationship with your body one of your primary focuses. So it can happen. I know some people that within weeks started to adjust their relationship with their body and started to see a shift in their weight. And other people, if they've got an inner dialogue that's hard, it's going to take longer. The softer and kinder and more respectful your inner dialogue, the faster it will happen for you. Do you hear your, your inner dialogue, Linda? Have you heard it? Do you know what you say to yourself? Um, usually that I have so much to do. That's that's my... That's a big one. Oh, yeah. I get that one. And and now I'm dealing with that, and it's interesting to be dealing with that one and not turning to food. So before yeah. I'd have that one and I'd turn to food. Now what I do is I sit down with myself. I'm more willing to take a break and say, okay, so if I'm worried about what I have to do next, I'm out of the moment. And if I'm out of the moment, I'm going to feel tense. And I'm not going to be more productive by being worried. So... I slow myself down in everything that I'm doing, and I just say one thing at a time, and I prioritize. I put the thing that's the most worrisome at the mm -hmm. top of the list, mm -hmm. and I remind myself that every day has to be a balance between work and play and creativity and, and downtime. So mm -hmm. every day has to have a fun component in there, Linda, or else you're going to be more emotionally hungry. Every day you have to have something you're excited about, and every day you need to remind yourself, listen, I'm a smart woman. I'm going to get handled whatever needs to be handled. But torturing myself in the meantime through allowing myself to get ahead of myself is not the most efficient way to work. And so now I judge myself not by, what is it, Robert Louis Stevenson, Robert Louis Stevenson said, I don't judge each day by the harvest that I reap, but by the seeds that I plant. Mm -hmm. So if you're giving yourself credit every day for anything that you do, you're going to feel more relaxed inside. You're not going to have to reach for that that cookie or those chips or whatever it is in order to calm yourself because you're going to be able to do that not only through your thoughts but through your breath. If you are breathing consciously, and I talk about this quite a bit in the book, if you're calming yourself through your breath, which oxygenates your body, which calms down your nervous system, which allows you to think more clearly, you're going to be able to calm yourself without food. So you need some tools in that chest because if before you've got that pattern of reaching for food, mm -hmm. you're going to want to do something differently, which is use your breath to calm yourself. Use thoughts that you would tell your best friend. If your best friend were saying, oh, my God, I've got so much to do, I'm never going to get it done, what would you say to her? Yeah, I would say do one at a time and, yeah, exactly what you just said. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So that's the inner dialogue that you are learning to master. That's your tamed mind. And the higher 
vibration, which means the more positive and loving and affirming your inner dialogue is, the easier your life is on every level, not just in relationship to your body, but everything that you do. You know, the negative self-talk um, happens very often without us. It's, it's so subtle sometimes that we don't even know that we're doing it. Just thoughts like, oh, gee, that was really stupid. I'm so stupid. Look what I just did. I'm a dummy, you know. Things like that, that that seem innocuous, but they're not. You know, they've worn a deep path in 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 your in your psyche. So those are the kinds of you know. Besides, I'm busy. The the language that you're using inside your head to talk to yourself is important to recognize that. Okay, absolutely, it's crucial. In fact, I would say it's one of the most crucial things. An inner dialogue that is um, kind is wise. So there needs to be a sweet voice in your head, one that says, hey, Linda, you're doing great. Look at all you've already accomplished today. And and focus on that. And that gives you the energy to do more. That gets you excited. And you're far more creative when you're in an excited frame of mind, when you're in a joyful state. We'll get other things done. I mean, I've gotten a lot accomplished as I've been tense. But my days have been long and unhappy and miserable. And then I've you know ended them with a binge. But now that I just say, okay, whatever you got done, is plenty, and there's always tomorrow. Right. And that is a very creative force. I and mean, everyone has read, most, many people have read that book, The Secret, that our thoughts create our reality. And right. you can see how when your thoughts are high, they create higher results. And yeah. we all want higher results, right? Yeah. Okay, well, we've only got about four minutes left, so let's talk about eating an alliance. Because you've got, we've, we've talked about the emotional, and we talked a little bit about the physical. But let's, you've got, you've got ten, 10 steps, 10 keys um, on the physical side to eating in alliance with your body. So maybe we should go through those real quick. Okay. So the first one is to start eating when you're hungry, right? Start eating when your body tells you now is the time. And the second one is to stop eating when you're satiated, when you've had enough food. Now, one of the other keys is eating exactly what you're hungry for. If you want to have pizza for breakfast, fantastic. As long as you're eating between a zero and a five and a six, you're going to be absolutely fine. But wait until you're hungry to eat. Breakfast time is not the time to eat if your body's not saying now. So your body is your wisest guide. Um, another one of the keys is to eat without distractions. I guarantee you if we all got rid of our television sets, now there's some great programming on television, so you don't have to go cold turkey, but if you eat without any distractions, you're going to be able to tell when you're at a five much sooner. If you're eating with distractions, you're going to go... I, I can remember meals literally disappearing, entire plates of food being gone, and my thinking, where did that go? <laughs> and then I'd go back into the refrigerator for more because I didn't feel satisfied. Right. So give your food your undivided attention. This doesn't have to be forever. This is just until you're really in sync with it. And then if you want to watch a little TV, but I have to say, eating without distractions was a huge component in my reaching my natural and healthiest weight. Okay. Um, Eating as eat slowly as possible. Okay. What sorry, was that, Frankie? I said you, you, you say eat when you're seated only. Eat when you're seated, exactly. Oftentimes for us grazers, we like to go to the refrigerator, pull it open, and uh, start snacking. I suggest no matter what you're eating, sit down while you're doing it because you will be far more present to your food. Uh, Janine Roth wrote a book called If You're, if you're Going to Eat at the Refrigerator, Pull Up a Chair. <laughs> Love it. So it, there's something about breaking your pattern. We live in patterns of thinking. We do. And we live in patterns of doing. So if you change your doing patterns or you change your thinking patterns, your life will shift in coordination with that. Um, eating as slowly as possible is another key. Draw your meal out like a great conversation. In order to slow myself down, I used to eat with my non-dominant hand. And that would slow me down and chew each bite and really enjoy it. I mean, food is supposed to be pleasurable. Right. So really take each bite and enjoy it. And then you're going to stay connected with your body. And you're going to know when you're not hungry anymore. I also suggest taking three breaths before eating anything. Because sometimes I'd go in to eat and I wouldn't be hungry. And I'd take three breaths. And what I really wanted is to be calm, mm -hmm. right, to come up with that great writing idea or to tackle something mm -hmm. that I needed to deal with. Take three deep breaths in through your abdomen. Expand your belly up into your chest. There's a relaxation response that happens that allows you to make a better choice. You'll hear the tamed part of your mind say, hey, you can have whatever you want to eat. Just wait till you're hungry to do it. Okay. Um, staying well hydrated, I say drink at least a glass of water 
with each meal. You can do it before, like an hour before the meal because the body digests most um, optimally when you don't mix the food with the water, okay. right? So just have a little bit. But before you, have, before you eat, you know, have about between four and eight glasses of water a day because oftentimes we, mis- we mistake thirst for hunger. I got to stop you here because we're just yes. about we've got 35 seconds. So I okay. want to make sure that we have been speaking to Elizabeth Lily Hills. She is the author of the Body Love Manual. You can find her book at www.thebodylovemanual.com, and please go and visit her site. She's a as you heard, she's an amazing coach. She's an amazing, inspirational, motivational speaker. And Lily, thank you so much for joining the thank show. You, and Frankie, thank you, Frankie. You are just a dream. You're just thank a doll. You, Pleasure to meet you. Thanks, everybody. Have Bye, yourself Linda. a wonderful day, night, wherever you are in the world, and we will speak to you next week on Mission Unstoppable. Take care. Have a happy Christmas. Bye. Bye. Looking for quality auto parts for your vehicle? Shop one of the 152 Houston-area O'Reilly Auto Parts stores. You'll find we have convenient locations, thousands of brand-name parts in stock, extended store hours, everyday low prices, and well-trained professional parts people. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Oh, oh.